Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. This is episode 211, and we're studying protology and eschatology in Genesis chapter 1. Now you say, Genesis, I thought this was a show on biblical prophecy. It is, and that's why I told you the episode number of this broadcast is 211. You just need to go back to 209 and 210 and figure out what protology is. We did whole episodes on this and how it relates to eschatology. In other words, the beginning of the Bible is like the end of the Bible. And in fact, in the prophetic book that ends the entire Bible, book of Revelation, Jesus identifies himself as the Alpha and the Omega. That's the A and the Z in the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end. And so we're still in Genesis chapter 1. I was going to skip this, but I decided that I really need to hear this, and maybe you do too. So here we go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, just three verses into the beginning of the Bible. And remember, protology is talking about the beginning. Eschatology is talking about the last things or the end. Genesis 1 and verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And you go through Genesis chapter 1, and you read again in verse 6, and God said. In verse 9, and God said. Verse 14, and God said. Verse 20, and God said. Now, I've just come to the realization, I'm a slow learner, that this wasn't casual conversation. This wasn't just a very quiet narrating to a scribe, that type of speech. I don't think this was anything tame at all. I believe that this was Almighty God speaking. Now, this is my own opinion, but I dare say if you could have heard God speak at creation, you would probably faint. It would be that awesome. And yet, uh, we sometimes, oh, God said this, God said that. No, it wasn't like that. And God said. So in protology, the opening up of the entire Bible, it begins with the spoken word of God that created the universe, our world, and everything in it. Okay? Now, that's pretty obvious. And you say, well, is there any relation to this? Because we're kind of looking at two mirrors. Like from the, from the perspective of the book of Genesis, you can look forward to the book of Revelation and then look back as Revelation serving as a mirror and get a deeper understanding of Genesis. And you can turn that around. You can look from Revelation to Genesis, and you just might understand Revelation a little bit better. So we just looked at Genesis 1-3. Let's go to Revelation 1-3. And here's what we find. Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear 
and who keep what is written therein, for the time is near. Now, I must admit, I'm a lover of books, love to read, love to read and read and read and read. But this isn't, uh, this isn't what Revelation 1.3 is talking about, and this isn't what Genesis 1.3 is talking about. It's talking about the spoken word. And again, I think Genesis 1-3 was a very loud, very terrifying word in the sense of the majesty that accompanied it. And then Revelation opens like, blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. This is all likelihood a liturgical setting. Imagine you just go and, oh, what five verses are we going to hear in Mass today? And it's 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. This is the context of the original setting of the book of Revelation. And it wasn't silent reading. The initial context was reading aloud. Okay, it's very specific. And then, uh, well, as those who hear. In other words, listen if you're uh, in attendance in the congregation, listen to these words, and a blessing is upon both the reader and the hearer. And, you know, it's, I'm embarrassed to say this, but it's taken me four decades to understand the second class I had in an upper division course in the book of Revelation. It was kind of a semi-privilege to get even get in this class because you had to get through a, at least a year of Greek to get in there. And I was all excited to listen to the book of Revelation and unlock all these secrets. And our professor in the second class, this is back in the day, turned on a tape recorder and we all listened to the book of Revelation. I didn't appreciate that a whole lot because I wanted to, you know, rush through and get to the meat of things. And I think it would really help you as well as myself if we slowed ourselves down. And I'm, again, speaking to myself because I tend to read pretty fast sometimes. And this is supposed to be a reflective, deep listening and part of the purpose of the book of Revelation is to awaken this early church to the situation they're in. And how would this apply to today? We need to be awakened, and one of the ways we'd do it would be listening. Now, silent reading uh, was around for centuries before Gutenberg's printing press was developed in the 1400s. But once it launched the publishing revolution, silent reading became more or less the norm. And I think you're going to see that there's, there's, there's a role in the spoken word of God. But let's go to the scene of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Again, we saw the word spoken, Genesis 1-3. Let's go to Revelation 19, starting in verse 13. This is the scene of the second coming. And said, he, that's Jesus, is clad in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And from his mouth, his mouth, not his pen, from his mouth, issues a sharp sword with which to smite the nations. 
Now, just before this and, and during this scene, the Antichrist, the false prophet, basically all the kings of the earth are all ganging up and killing those who believe in Jesus as the Messiah. They're making war against Christ and his people, and they're struck down. The sword that comes out of his mouth, the name by which he is known, the word of God. It's the same voice that you heard in Genesis 1-3 to the shock of the Darwinians at the end of time. He comes and smites every enemy of God with a word. And then the Bible concludes in Revelation 22. The book of Revelation concludes in Revelation 22. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. Now, it's not just the book of Revelation, but prophecy itself, I believe, has an edge. And again, I'm really a neophyte on this. I've been studying prophecy for decades, but there's a dimension here that the word, the spoken word, takes us into to have its intended impact on both our minds and our hearts. I'm turning to St. Peter's second epistle, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 9, and it says, and we have the prophetic word made more sure. We would do well to pay attention to it as a lamp shining in a dark place. And then he says, first of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by the impulse of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So it looks like St. Peter is saying, no, prophecy, at least huge chunks of it, emerged as a spoken word, and then that spoken word was put into writing. Now, one of the things you do In seminary, if you get real serious about studying Scripture, you get the original languages, you study the history of the the period, so you really want to get into the author's head, you want to study the culture, how these words were—you want to get into the primary situation. Well, if you really want to get into the primary situation of prophecy, listen to it. Don't just read it. Listen to it. Now, in addition to the spoken word as an aspect of prophecy that you and I may be ignoring. It's the trumpet word, the prophetic word that comes as a trumpet. Revelation 1 and verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So the message to John came in a loud voice. I believe it's the loud voice we heard in Genesis 1-3. And then he says, then write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. The seven churches in Asia Minor at the time that John heard the spoken word were just a few decades old, and most of them were in absolutely terrible shape. They needed an awakening. They needed a renewal 
just after a few decades or half a century of existence. Now, Catholic Church today has been around for 2,000 years, and if the first century needed the prophetic trumpet, my goodness, we do as well today. And you'll find a lot of the prophetic scriptures, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and many others, are basically prophecies that are the voice of the trumpet. Listen to Isaiah 58.1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Now, if we need to hear as Catholics and the Catholic Church today, just like the first century, the 21st century, we need the Catholic trumpet to awaken us to things that we maybe are neglecting. Well, what happens when that trumpet sounds today? You could get deplatform from social media. You might find you don't get any more invitations to the Catholic speaker circuit, or maybe if you're a priest, you get silenced. No, that's not what we want to do. If it's a true prophetic word that we, we uh, don't want to hear, but it's coming through very clear and it's reminding us of something fundamental that we've gone into a deep slumber over, then we need to wake up. And I urge you to listen to the book of Revelation and some of the Old Testament prophets on an uh, audio Bible. And you can do this on your phone. Personally, I strongly recommend skipping the uh, dramatized Bibles. I think they subtract, don't add. But listen to Revelation. Uh, Listen to the prophets and listen in mass and pray before listening to really open your heart to even hear things that maybe your ears have been closed to. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 211 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy, visit us online at luke21.com.